Good morning. Let me. Today I would like to speak about the importance of the Word of God. I hope this message will be timely because a few more days will be begin the new year again. And I hope we will will pick up the habit of reading the Word of God. So today I would like to speak about the importance of the Word of God. You can never know the one true God without the Word of God. You can never know the will of the will of God for your life without the Word of God. You can never know the reason for your existence in this world without the Word of God. You can never know the purposes of God for your life without the Word of God. You can never know how to walk in holiness, in purity, and integrity without the Word of God. You cannot substitute anything for the Word of God. This book has, has always been up to date and it will always be up to date. This book will do for you what no other book or anything else will do. This is the very Word of God spoken to man. You don't judge this book by other books. You judge other books by this book. Amen? Let me repeat that. You don't judge this book by other books. You judge other books by this book. You don't buy Deepak Chopra's book and then judge this book. No, you can't. Behind this book is the great majestic God Full of awesome splendor. Only God is worthy of our honor and praise and thanksgiving. I remember this story. Four Catholic mothers got together and were discussing the greatness of their sons. And the first mother said, My son is a Monsignor. And when he enters the room, the people say, Hello, Monsignor. And the second mom said, my son is a bishop, and when he enters the room, people say, Hello, Your Excellency. And the third mother said, My son is a cardinal, and when he enters the room, people say, Hello, Your Eminence. And the fourth mom thought for a moment, and she said, My, my son plays football at Notre Dame. He is six foot ten and weighs 380 pounds. And when he walks into the room, people say, Oh my God. <laughs> Amen. That's as far as you can go. As high you can go, right? Behind this book is the God of power and might. He is the God who created the heavens and the earth. He is the God who hangs the stars and calls each name, each one by name. He is the God who measures the space with a span of His hand. He is the God who can make rivers in the desert. He is the God who makes a way when there seems to be no way. 
He holds the seven seas in the palm of His hand. He is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He is a burden bearer. He is the great I Am. And He allowed you and me to call Him our Father who art in heaven. This book is not just the Old Testament. This, this book is not just the Old Testament and the New Testament. This book is the Word of God, is the testament of God's love for mankind. If you have your Bible with you, please open with me to the book of Matthew. This is not uh, Matthew 28. 28. It says, Come unto me, all ye that labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is my text today, Matthew 4.4. It says, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Year 2000, a remarkable story was first printed and it has gained a little more popularity now. It's a story of a man who was incarcerated under the Soviet regime in 1945. His name is Andrei Stamos. Captured by the Soviets for various reasons, put behind bars. And then in year 2000, when the former Soviet Union was emptying out its prisons, they decided that they would have this particular man examined before they did away with him. He was supposedly talking absolute gibberish, did not make any sense, was constantly crouching, muttered a lot to himself, weakened, wizened, withered after so many years of incarceration. Somebody suggested that they bring in a Hungarian psychiatrist to talk to him to find out who this man was. And after spending hours, the Hungarian psychiatrist came, came out and said, this man is not insane. In fact, you are driving him insane. He is not talking nonsense. Rather, he is speaking a rare ancient Hungarian dialect. Give him to us and we will make him well and have him well very soon. So they put him in a wheelchair, finally got him released. When Andre Stamos was wheeled out, what do you think was the first thing he asked for? None of us here would be able to guess. None of us here would be able to guess what he asked for. He asked for a mirror. When he was handed a mirror, he then slowly placed it in front of his face. He looked into that mirror and after seeing his face, put it down. He wept uncontrollably. 
for the first time in 55 years, he has seen his face. The last time he had seen his face, he was about 25 years of age. Imagine going through most of your life without knowing what you look like. It's unimaginable to all of us here not to see your face, not knowing what you look like. What happens to a person if he loses perception of who he is? Is there something intended to reflect to us what we were intended to look like? Is there a mirror for a soul? Is there a mirror for a soul? Is there a mirror for the soul that penetrates deep down where you can see for yourself who you really are? Is there a mirror for the soul that shows you the real spiritual condition of your own heart? Is there a mirror? Is there a mirror for the soul that you can see yourself the way God see you? Dr. Ravi Zacharias said, and I quote, The day you and I see our own hearts before God is the day God wins a major victory in our lives when we see these hearts as He sees them. The Word of God is alive and powerful. It is a lamp, it is a light, a fire, a hammer, a seed, a sword, food. This is the milk for the spiritual infants. This is the honey in the honeycomb. This is the light to my pathway. This is the two-edged sword with which I wage war against the powers and principalities of hell. This is the authority of the believer. This gives me the power to bind things on earth and release them in heaven. I have the authority to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I have the authority to speak the word and demon powers flee. I do what, I can do what this book says I can do. I am what this book says I am. I am a new creature, creature in Christ. And that is why I can say with boldness that I am a child of God because this book says I am. Amen. You know, this book will make you passionate. This book will make you a passionate person. Abraham Lincoln loved to read this book. He loves to read the Bible. He even said that this book is, the, is God's greatest gift to mankind. And by reading the Bible, he hated slavery because God created all men equal. And one day when he stood at a dock in, in New Orleans... He saw a black family being sold into slavery. The man going to one plantation and the wife and the baby going to another plantation. His heart broke and he dug his fingernails into his hands until it bled. He said, someday by the grace of God, I am going to end that. 
And his passion drove him to ten political defeats, to one complete nervous breakdown, until he finally arrived in the Oval Office and signed the Emancipation Proclamation. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 9.10, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Matthew 4, 4 says, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. God recognized that our physical bodies require food. Jesus taught us to pray for daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus did not send the multitude to go away hungry. Instead, He fed them, He feed them because Jesus recognized their needs. Jesus recognized the physical needs of His own mother and made provision for her comfort and welfare by entrusting her to the care of John. God, God recognized man's need for bread and thus He teaches us in His Word that we should work in order that we have the necessities of life. God tells us in His book, in His Word, that we should provide for the needs of our own household. If, we, if not, we are worse than unbelievers and have denied the true faith. You know, in the Old Testament, Esau made the tragic blunder of trying to live by bread alone. Esau came home one day from the field, tired and hungry, and all he could think of for that moment was food. He saw Jacob cooking. I didn't realize that Jacob was the, the original iron chef at that time. Jacob was cooking a, a, a lentil stew. And Esau sold his birthright to Jacob for a bowl of lentil stew. Esau showed total and absolute contempt for spiritual matters by selling his birthright. All he cares about is to satisfy his physical needs. I believe that there are many people right now who are acting like Esau, who shows absolute contempt for spiritual matters. Apostle Paul warned the Corinthian church about this. In 1 Corinthians 11:28 to 30, he says, That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. The point is, you cannot ignore spiritual matters and come out a winner. You cannot disregard the things of God and not suffer the consequences. God recognizes and understands man's needs in the physical realm. But Christians have to recognize that he needs the spiritual food, the Word of God. When a man is deprived of food, he dies physically. When a man is deprived of spiritual food, he dies spiritually. When we are hungry, our body gives signs that it needs nourishment. It cries out for food, weakness in the muscle, and even faintness and headache may arise. But when the spirit is malnourished, 
you can easily recognize it on the outside by symptoms. Spiritual weakness will appear in the form of sin. With sin comes anger, irritability, frustrations, depression, discouragement, miserable, gloominess, bitterness, hatred, resentment, self-pity, hopelessness, despair, paranoia, envy, jealousy, family conflict, arguing, drunkenness, or other addictions, and competitiveness as self-centeredness deepens into your heart. Have you heard people say, I am grumpy, you know? It says, I heard people, I am grumpy because I have a German disposition. Right? I am grumpy because I have an Irish disposition. I am grumpy because I have a Filipino disposition. No, you're grumpy because you're full of the devil. You allowed sin to creep in, in by neglecting the word of God. You allowed the devil to take over your life when you stop reading the word of God. You cannot be grumpy for 20 years. Give me a break. Right? I've seen Christians, he says, been grumpy for 10 years. 20 years. You cannot be grumpy for 20 years. For God's sake, you're a Christian. Let me drink. The Bible says in Romans, Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In the biblical concept of faith, faith is believing what God has said. That means that faith is integrally related to the word of God. If it is not related to the word, then it's not faith. Laying down on the hood of a Cadillac and claiming it by faith is unbiblical and moronic. Yes, you can't lay down on a Cadillac and claim it, it's yours. No, that's crazy. That's, that's crazy. You know, that's not faith. I remember this uh, story of a rabbi. Rabbi, a Baptist preacher, and a Catholic priest. They went fishing. They were on a lake. They were in the middle of the lake. And then the rabbi stood up from the boat and he said, I forgot my uh, lunch pail. And so he stepped out of the boat and started walking on the water. Went to the shore, picked up his uh, lunch pail and came back and sat down and went fishing. And the Catholic priest stood up and said he forgot something. And so he went to the shore, walked on the water and, and picked up something and came back. And the Baptist preacher was stunned. For sure I am more spiritual than these two guys, he said. So he stood up. He stood up and then stepped on the water. He sank right away. He almost drowned himself. And he was helped by, by, pulled by, by the Catholic, uh, Catholic priest. So he's still undaunted. He said, I'm more spiritual than these two guys. He did it again. He, he stepped on the water and sank 
again. He almost drowned himself. And the Catholic priest said, I think we better tell him where the rocks are before he drowns himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, there was rocks there. He just didn't see it. <laughs> Faith is not crossing your fingers and walking through life hoping for the best. Faith is not playing the odds. Faith is not a gospel lottery. Hope for the believer is based upon what God has done in the past in His Word. If God has done it in the past in His Word, you have every reason to believe and expect that He can do it for you. Therefore, faith is believing that what God has done, He will do it. Therefore, I don't hope that God answers prayers. I know God answers prayer. I don't hope God heals. I know God heals because He healed many of you here in this audience. I know He guides and provides. He's still the great shepherd. I know there's life beyond the grave because He lives I shall also live. I know he is coming again because the word of God says, This same Jesus shall come in like manner, just as he have seen, you have seen him go. Amen. Praise the Lord. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Without faith, you can never please God. Without faith, your relationship with God is non-existent. Everything that God offers us, He offers it by faith. You are saved by faith. You live by faith. You walk by faith. All that we do, must be done in faith. We are kept secure by Christ, in Christ, by the power of God through faith. You receive every promises of God by faith. Hear this, listen to this. Going to God without faith is like going to superstore without money. It's an absolute waste of time. You line up there and you don't have money. Just imagine the long lines there. And you don't have the money. So faith is like going to superstore and you don't have the money. The Bible says that God gives us a measure of faith to every believer in Christ. You have a measure of faith right now. And it's up to you to read the word of God to increase your faith. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing. Proverbs 4.7 says, Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. How many of you desire more wisdom in your life? Mention the word wisdom and most people think you mean 
knowledge. That's not true. Knowledge is knowing a fact. Wisdom is what to do with those facts. Two cowboys came upon an Apache Indian laying flat on his stomach with his ear to the ground. And one of the cowboys stopped and said, You see that Apache Indian? And the cowboy said, Absolutely, I see that Apache Indian. The first cowboy said, Look, he's listening on the ground. He can hear things that are happening miles away. Just then the Apache Indian looks up and says, Covered wagon. About two miles away. Have two horses. One brown, one white. Man, woman, child. Household effects in the wagon. And the cowboy looked at his friend and says, Isn't it that amazing? That's incredible. This Indian knows how far they are. He knows how many horses they have, what color they are, who is in the wagon, and what's in the wagon. That's amazing facts. And the, and the Apache Indian looks up and says, it ran over me half an hour ago. This is knowledge. This is knowledge. You know, that's knowledge. You can buy books from which you can get facts, but that doesn't give you brains. Right? Wisdom is the gift from God to know how to manage those facts. Solomon says in Proverbs 3 that wisdom is the path that leads to wealth, to happiness, to long life. It's the path that Guarantees peace also. Wisdom is more valuable than silver, more valuable than gold, and more priceless than rubies. The Word of God says that. Wisdom is the compass by which a man is the guide to guide his life across the sea of life. Without wisdom, man is like a donkey. He runs here, he runs there, wastes his strength, and wastes his resources, living life with absolute Utility. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding. The Bible says in Psalms 119, says, The entrance of the word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Light makes you see things in complete darkness. But when you shine the light, darkness disappears, right? All of us here at one time live in that darkness. And how dark it is. And I believe some of us here are still in that darkness. But somehow by the grace of God, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the light of this world. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have an everlasting life. Before I became a Christian, every thought I had was negative and evil. 
everything around me, even though things are in order, I see chaos in everything. Our home feels and looks like I'm in hell. And that is why the reason why I spend most of my time somewhere with my friends doing all sorts of foolish and evil things. But when I saw the light of Jesus, everything changed. Everything became beautiful. Everything became new. Now I can see the hand of God in everything. I have a new and deeper appreciation to things around me. Because God allowed me to see myself through His Word. God showed who He is. And He showed me who I am. God showed me where my life was heading. And if I will continue to walk in that darkness, I will end up somewhere else. God showed me the real condition of my heart. Through these words, God showed all this to me through his word as I read it. And one day Jesus walked into my life. He invaded, he invaded my life, took over my priorities, took over my desires. He completely took over the steering wheel of my life from my hand. That's why I would like to repeat again, Dr. Ravi Sakharaya's quote says, The day you and I see our own hearts before God is the day God wins a major victory in our lives. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The negative and evil thoughts disappeared and were replaced with positive and good thoughts. Everything around me became beautiful and in order instead of chaos. Our home that feels and looks like it's now like, it's now like heaven. And I would rather stay home and spend time with my parents and my siblings than go out with my devil friends. The reason is I was exposed to the light, the light of Jesus Christ, the Word of God, the light of this world. Psalms 27.1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. John 1.4 says, In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The word of God makes the sinner forsake his way. The word of God gives you hope that is steadfast and sure. The word of God is living water that is more exciting than Jack Daniels or Miller Time, Miller Time or any happy hour you've ever been in. The Word of God has the power that's greater than powers and principalities of darkness. It is greater than the designer drugs that some of you might be taking. The point is, bind yourself to the Word of God. The devil is not afraid of you, but he is afraid of the Word of God in you.
read it, practice it, live it, love it, adore it. In conclusion, I'd like the uh, the band to. If you drive a Toyota and it breaks down, where do you bring it? You don't bring it to Ford, right? Because they might put unauthorized parts and this will void your warranty. Who knows Toyota better than Toyota? Who knows Ford better than Ford? So, when there's something wrong in your life, you don't consult horoscope. You don't consult those talk shows on television to find out what's happening in your life. You don't consult Oprah. You don't consult Maury Povich or Sally Jesse Raphael or Dr. Ruth. You don't consult those pseudo-intellectual New Agers on TV. No, they're just, they'll just make you like your life worse. Folks, this is the manufacturer's manual. This is the manufacturer's manual for your soul, for your mind, for your marriage, for your business, for your family, for your mission here on earth, for your health, for your healing, for raising your children. Only God has the genuine parts, spare parts, for your life. So stop consulting those people on TV. And when your life is broken down, you need to go back to your maker and to this book, the Word of God. And I'd like to close in a short story. A young woman bought a book from a bookstore and she took it home, started reading it. And it took her a while to to finish the book because it was boring for her. Took her some few weeks. And when after she finished reading the book, she said, this is the dullest book that I've ever read and throw it in the cabinet and never seen it again. Years went by. This young woman met a man. They became good friends. They became sweethearts and they became engaged. And then one day this man was at the place of her, uh, of his fiance. They were lounging there. And the woman remembered the book that she read before. And she said to, to her boyfriend, she said, you know, I remember reading a book that has the same initials as your name. And she stood up, went to the cabinet, and took the book out, blow the dust, wiped the dust away, and she handed it to her boyfriend. And when the guy looked at it, the man looked at it and, you know, fanned through the pages, and he said, I wrote this book. 
I wrote this book. And from then on, that woman who said that that book was the dullest book she ever read, never stopped reading it day and night. She would bring it to her office, read it during break time. She would read it before going to bed. She would read it. It was beside her bed every time. Every moment she had time, she would read it. You know why? You know why? Because she loves the author of the book. Because she knew who the author was. And I hope we knew who the author of this book, that we can love him, that we can love him and adore him and cherish him. He is the God who loves you. Let us bow our heads and let us pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your word, O God. You said in your word that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, Lord God. The entrance of your word gives light, Lord God. Lord, you send your words, Lord God, and it will not return to you void, but will accomplish whatever you have purpose for it, O God. Thank you so much, Lord God, for your love and mercy and for your care, Lord God. Lord, today, right now, Lord God, I know there are people here that are hurting, oh God. People who doesn't know you, Lord God. I know they are here, and you know, oh God, that they are here, and you are speaking through their hearts right now, oh God. Father, you love them, Lord God. You love them. Thank you so much that you love us so much, oh God, that you send your son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. Thank you so much, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Lord, few more days, Lord God, and will be a new year, Lord God. May it be a habit for us. May it become a habit for us to read your word, Lord God, and to cherish it, Lord God, and munch it, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Lord, today we give you back all the glory, the honor, and the praises. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.